And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Live from my house, it's the Andy Staples Show. That's what Lauren Michaels was waiting to hear as he watched review after review after review after review in the Notre Dame Clemson game. But it did finally end and. The ACC's dream scenario is now in play because Notre Dame beat Clemson. Clemson has a built-in excuse because they didn't have Trevor Lawrence or James Skalski, and then they'll probably get to play again. And to break all of this down, because this was not the only thing of significance that happened on Saturday. In fact, many, many, many things of significance happened Saturday. So we're going to run it back with Ari Wasserman, last seen making fun of me for not being able to eat 100 chicken nuggets in one sitting. Hi, Ari. Hey, couldn't get enough of me the first time? That's two to, twice in no. uh, three days? I also wanted to talk to you while I wasn't chewing. I, I feel like we have a better conversation when I'm not trying to eat 61 chicken nuggets during yeah. the course of the conversation. And I had a feeling I was probably going to be the choice today now that Michigan's in shambles. I don't know if we're going to get to that, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure that that's I exactly what Michigan... I thought about that. It's, yeah, it's what Michigan fans want right now is to hear what I have to say about that. Oh, yeah. Well, this might be the, the first time they actually agree with you, though. I think I think they have stronger feelings about this than you do. So that that works fine. But let's start with the game that everyone will be talking about. Clemson and Notre Dame. I was wrong about this. You were wrong about this. We both thought that Clemson was still going to win, not by a ton, but we thought they were going to win somewhat comfortably. Notre Dame played great. I, I've, I have no... There's, there's no complaints about anything Notre Dame did. They were tough. Uh, Ian Book was fantastic. I was, just, I was very impressed with the Irish. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, the, the thing with me always, Andy, is, is this team going to stack up athletically? And, you know, the thing that I was most uh, impressed by in this game, not even just eking it out uh, in a tough performance in overtime, but that last drive um, in regulation to go down the field and score a touchdown like that and – you know, force overtime after everyone had already thought that that team had lost. And, you know, I think the biggest thing going into the game was the concern of whether or not Notre Dame had enough skill talent, especially a wide receiver to do that. And you got a guy running wide open down the middle of the field with the game on the line. So um, I know Clemson had a few key defenders missing. We all know that Trevor Lawrence didn't play. Um, but overall, still team, team speed, team talent usually plays out on this. And I thought that Notre Dame at every point in this game from start to finish look like they athletically belonged. And, you know, that hasn't always been the case in these games with Notre Dame. And, you know, I don't know if Clemson's going to get back and, you know, get healthy and Trevor Lawrence is going to be ready to go when they inevitably play in the ACC championship game. I still would pick Clemson in that scenario. But everything that we saw out of Notre Dame right now makes them a legitimate national title contender. And, it, you know, it makes this exciting conversation in the ACC and, what's going on with Clemson more fun. So, you know, that that was kind of the outcome. I'm assuming that most people who are general fans of the sport wanted to see 
And as you said before, the ACC, uh, you know, big wigs are somewhere right now popping some champagne. So that, that was a, that, you know, I, I guess it couldn't have yeah. worked out better because Clemson's still going to get in the I mean, playoff if they run the table. So, I mean, if they, if they play the same kind of game, another overtime or super tight game and Clemson wins it in the ACC title game, the committee's going to think about putting them both in. I mean, obviously it depends on what happens everywhere else, but that's going to be a real possibility. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you stand on this, but yeah, putting yourself in a position in that scenario to play three times in one season would be certainly interesting. Um, not that that would be the first round matchup probably if they were to do it that way, but it would still put the the potential on the table for that to happen. Um, and you know, if your only loss is to Clemson in the ACC championship game and Trevor Lawrence um, is playing and it's a, it's an overtime or a close game like this one, then, you know, I think that you have every bit of an opportunity or right to be in that, in that postseason, especially considering the fact that I don't even know who's good right now in the entire no, world of sports. No who's even good? <laughs> like, um, well, uh, okay. Let me, let me throw that. Cause I, I was thinking about this as I was watching the Florida Georgia game and, it's, the question probably gets blunted a little bit because you saw what Florida's offense looked like without Pitts. After Kyle Pitts got hurt, offensively, Florida didn't look the same. But let's, you know, it looks like he, he got a concussion probably from that, that hor- horrific collision with Scene. Now, let's say he's back healthy. Are you not excited about it, a, an Alabama-Florida SEC championship game? Does that not sound like a great game? Yeah, I mean, I before today I would have said no chance Florida has a chance in that game. After today, maybe. Yeah, Florida's offense is awesome. Um and you've been saying that all year, you would know that. Um I I know people are probably like I don't I don't know what Ari Wasserman's going to say about this because you know how much of a firm stance I took before the year about the talent discrepancy and the stars making mattering. Florida. Yeah, and I guess maybe they don't matter anymore. I I don't know some people uh, wanted to hear my explanation on it, you know, just because that happened doesn't change my position on on talent. But, you know, out there today, at least in the first quarter uh, in the Georgia game, it, it looked like Georgia was just going to run all over them. I thought that the talent discrepancy was was evident. And the next thing you know, Florida scored, what, 31 an- unanswered points and looked amazing yeah. doing it. And, and I don't Georgia know, couldn't cover them at all. I don't know. If <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it, Are we going to stop the Georgia's got the best defense in college football crap now? Like, or... I mean, uh, they yeah. just got, I think that's that that's over. Yeah. Hey, but, yeah. how about I, I realize I realize it's a 47 to 40 game, but here's a defensive stat for you. Clemson held or uh, sorry, Notre Dame held Clemson to 34 yards rushing on 33 carries. Now that includes sacks. Here's here's the more impressive stat. Travis Etienne, 18 carries for 28 yards. Nobody does that to him. Yeah, he is. Now, granted, he, DJ threw for 439 yards, but that that really changes the game when they can't get yards on the ground with Etienne. Yeah, I, I I don't know how you would grade Clemson's offensive performance. Uh, they did score uh, 20 points in the second half. They did get to 40 in overtime with that touchdown. They scored in overtime. Um, but the offense was never supposed to be the problem in this game. And I always, like, when I, we talked about this game before on, on Friday, uh, my dis- – viewpoint of this game was that Clemson was going to, you know, win something like 38 to 17 or something. Um, but the biggest thing that really was the, the key here is whether or not the defensive line losses uh, were enough to you know, sustain Notre Dame's awesome offensive line. And for the most part, I thought that Notre Dame on both sides of the ball did a really good job of controlling the trenches. And when you're playing against Clemson, who's got Jackson Carmen and they've got guys every year that are, 
you know, selected in the first round on both sides of the the ball on the lines. I think that's a, the most encouraging thing. Notre Dame can't stack up athletically when it comes to the skill position players, but also I thought Ian Book was out there making some runs. He's shiftier than I thought he was too. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how how you would grade Clemson's offensive performance, but more so than that, with with Trevor Lawrence being out, that's not really the red flag for me. It's whether or not, you know, they did enough defensively to stop Notre Dame, and clearly they didn't. Yeah, I I thought Notre Dame's D-line, especially the last possession in overtime, was yeah. outstanding. I mean, they were getting pressure. And, and look, DJ Uyenglele is a massive quarterback. He's hard to bring down. He's, he's quick for a guy his size. And they were in his face all night. You know, that's the thing that was it was interesting to me. And I, I wonder if this is a case of of just his comfort level right now or they, they don't want him to try to do too much. But it feels like they don't really want him carrying the ball that much. And I feel like that would be pretty devastating if you're running the read option with him and Etienne. But thus far, we haven't seen it much. There was one really nice touchdown in the BC game where he he pulled it and kept it and scored. But I didn't see anything against Notre Dame that suggested to me that that's something they felt could work against the Irish. Yeah, yeah. What was the number one thing that you felt was working for Clemson in that game? I thought it was separation and uh, the secondary with Powell. The, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I DJ to Powell. But like, let me ask you this, Andy. Now that these two teams have played. If they were to play again and Clemson was fully healthy, how does this change your opinion on like where Notre Dame stacks up athletically? I, I think it'd be, I think they'd still be a pretty close game. So, do you think Notre like, Dame would stack up with all all the big three? That okay. So this makes me wonder about Clemson stacking up more than it makes me wonder about Notre Dame stacking up with with Alabama. Although, again, Alabama can be scored on. Like Alabama's yeah. defense is so can not, Ohio State. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, Ohio State didn't cover. Remember all our conversation as I was eating nuggets about whether Ohio State could cover 38 against Rutgers and they didn't. Now, obviously weird things happen when you have a big lead, but I I don't think there's any super team out there this year. There's nobody. And and let's be honest, we've had some teams we thought were super teams in the past. Now, LSU actually was one last year, but two years ago, we thought Alabama was unbeatable and Clemson destroyed them in the national title game. So it's it's not like we should assume anybody's infallible here. And I, I'm still not convinced that everybody that we think is is going to win out the rest of the way is going to because, again, these are mostly conference schedules. There's, there's not a lot of break. And I think there will still be some weird results down the stretch. Yeah, I don't know what your take is. Two, two things to that. One, the one thing I think we do know, big three or not, everybody can be scored on. And if that's the yes. case in, in this year's college football, that makes the national championship race super interesting. And I like the idea that there's some new new teams in there. And, you know, I think it's good for the sport that Notre Dame won this football game. I really do to to get more intrigue, to see you know, teams that have recruited in the seven to 15 range stack up against a team that has developed talent and, and scouted talent and, and landed talent at a highest level possible um, in Clemson. So. You know, that's the number one thing that is interesting to me. But the other thing, too, Andy, having watched today and watching Penn State get blown out by Maryland and Michigan lose to Indiana, you know, and I don't know if this is the Big Ten thing because I don't know what the hell is going on in the Big Ten. 
What and Michigan State getting destroyed by yeah. 0 and two previously zero and two Iowa? Do you? Yeah. yeah, and like none of the results make sense. If you do the transitive game, none of it makes sense. It's 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 completely off the rails in the Big Ten. This is what we thought everybody was going to be like all season. Well, that's what I was but, getting to. Do you think this is COVID related yeah. that all these weird things are happening in the sport right now? I I think there's something to that. I think there's something to the the schedules being different, to the rhythms of the season being different, to teams just not having everybody at practice or not being able to play everybody in games. I mean, there's so much variability. Uh, well, let's take Florida's defense, for example. Once Zach Carter gets back in in the second half, that is as complete as they've been all season. And suddenly, you can't score on them. And they were awful at times early in the season. So I, I think that's that's the thing you've got to consider with some of these teams. Is And like Penn State... Who's lost more to opt-outs than Penn State? Maybe Oregon, but Oregon played pretty well today. But Penn State, they I mean, just, they lost I their mean, best player. I don't and, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, the thing about it though is, even though they lost their best player, getting run off the field by Maryland is crazy. And I watched Bad. the Ohio State Rutgers game, and even though Greg Schiano ran every trick play in the history of mankind in that game. Which Rutgers, I admire, by the way. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, do everything. Uh, you know, annexation of Puerto Rico, uh, anything you can come up with to make, you know, onside kicks and throwing the ball back uh, on kick and punt returns. It was awesome. But even Rutgers looks more more functional than they have in the past. And I just don't know, you know, in this league right now where the, the bottom teams that have usually been the victim of 50-point blowouts are now all of a sudden not only being competitive, but Rutgers is beating Michigan State. Maryland is winning two games in a row and beating the crap out of um, Penn State. Penn State in, in the, State College. Now Michigan, like Indiana, are they a top ten team this week? Is Indiana going to be in the top ten now? They they will. They will. They were thirteen I mean, coming they, into the week, so they've got. Indiana's do they deserve got, to be at the end of the season? I don't know, uh, but that, they they yeah. look like it now. Is Indiana the toughest game remaining on Ohio State's schedule? Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know that that it will play out that way, but from what it looks like now, but you, you were talking about new blood and I think that's interesting too. Yeah. Let me throw a lo- another little bit of new blood at you because you know, well, Florida, I think we can count as, as new blood because they've not been sure. Well, they did win those two SECs titles in 15 and 16. No, they're Nobody new really blood. counts those r- r- because they didn't have a chance in the SEC title game. This team feels like it does, but let's throw another SEC team in there. Texas A&M went to South Carolina and won 48 to three. Mm-hmm. This was the type of game that the old Aggies, that's where they would have spit the bit. And all of a sudden, it's just, what, what happened? They look very consistent, consistently good. They're going to Tennessee next week to play a team that just lost to Arkansas and can't seem to decide who the quarterback is. They got Ole Miss, they got LSU, and then they got at Auburn, which looks like it may be the <laughs> one of the biggest games in the SEC this year. But... That's a team that's in great shape because they have a win against Florida in their back pocket. And if Florida plays Alabama tough but loses in the SEC championship game and and A&M sitting there at nine and one and they're looking for a number four and the committee doesn't know who to make number four. That's a that's a very compelling choice. Yeah, I think that the idea of not having to play Alabama again or even play in the SEC championship game and being a non-conference champ selection is possible. You know, I, I with Texas A&M, when you look at that schedule, 
I see, like, here's what I see. I see five or six games left. I see five or six games that they might be favored in or they should win. They, How many games? They have, one, they two, have four, three, four, they have four. Four games left, Ari. They've they have got four, four games and, left, and all four of those games are winnable they're gonna, games. They're going to win three of them. And I, they're, they're going to win three of them. The one at the end is the you're, question mark. But here's the thing that you're doing. And that what I was going to say is, when you see how many games they have left, you look at four games that are all winnable. And then you look at all four games that are in the Texas A&M that we know and love could lose any of them. That's true, but I'm not sure this is the Texas A&M that we know and yeah, love. Yeah, no, I know. I, 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 maybe it's not. I mean, doing what they did today at, at South Carolina, a team that's also been very functional, is super impressive. And, you know, back-to-back uh, road games in the SEC is pretty tough, especially this year in Tennessee is kind of all over the place, so maybe that won't be as big of a game as I thought. But, you know, if you if you want to go down the new blood um, talk talking point, there's a lot of teams in there that are still kind of alive here. And I know it was like the first game I, ever. I still think Cincinnati should get some run. Is like BYU Cincinnati new blood? Goes and- is Cincinnati – yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Is Oregon? Like, if Cincinnati go, uh, yeah. I mean, we thought Oregon was really good last year. No, I know, but a team like New Blood in in the sense of like teams that here we are in mid November, and I know it's a weird year, and Oregon's only played one game, but we're in we're we're going to be pushing mid November um, as these games have already been concluded, and you've got five or six, seven teams maybe that could potentially be Texas A and M included, a potential candidate to be Number that fourth four. spot and that hasn't always and, been the case wait, now that Oklahoma and Texas Clemson are out of just it? lost by the way are we assuming Clemson's in I'm should assuming we assume Clemson's, Clemson's in, in I am yeah okay I think that the I think that they control their own destiny still and um the assumption to me is that by the time they play Notre Dame again they'll be full speed and I think that you know some of the things that Clemson was missing on in the interior defensive line and of course not having Lawrence Despite the fact that DJ's a stud, um, you know, them full speed, I, I think, wins the next time. If they lose again, then I guess that takes care of itself. But I think that as long as Clemson is only a one-loss team and they get to play the team that beat them still, probably, you just have to assume that they're in because they're still Clemson. Um, but, you know, Notre Dame's new blood, Texas A&M, Oregon, BYU, Cincinnati. I mean, Indiana, I don't think that they're going to get that far, but Indiana's an undefeated team. Right now, and you know, if you look at Indiana's schedule, they they have played and beaten two of the big dogs in the in the uh, Big Ten East. And you know, I know they still have to play at Ohio State on November twenty first. They're probably going to lose that game, but they have at Michigan State next week. Then they have a game at Wisconsin in December. If they come out of the Big Ten East as a one loss team, and the only loss is a competitive or pretty cool looking game against. Ohio State, they beat Wisconsin, and then they're in the Texas A&M spot where they don't go to the Big Ten championship game, but are sitting there at the end of the year in the same position as A&M. I'm not saying that Indiana is going to get love from the committee, but as things stand right now, they're in every bit of the same position as some of these other teams that are still in there. I know it's crazy, and I think Nine they're probably going to— Indiana! Yeah, it's possible. Let's make it happen! I mean, they're probably going to lose by, it by 30 to Ohio State, So, but that's no different than Texas A&M getting slapped A&M, by A&M Bama. lost by 28 to Alabama. So, exactly. You know, so— <laughs> it's just a crazy year. The season's the season's drunk. Let's let's it. be real. This season is drunk. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We probably need to talk about the the elephant in the room. You just mentioned Indiana. Let's talk about the team Indiana beat today. Okay. Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. You and I have talked about this already. We both think that it has run its course. Do you think that idea has now popped mainstream? Yes. Well, let me ask you, when you and I were talking about Harbaugh at Michigan in the press box in Ann Arbor, was that last November? Was that a year ago or was that two years ago? It was. It was. It was last year. I think that this was a bunch, you know, you always you make jokes and everybody always talks. Ari is the uh, Michigan hater and is going to, you know, rile up people and stuff. But I, the things I talk about and the way that I've put it for the last two years, three years, has been the diagnosis for what now you're seeing as the symptoms. Uh, and well, your, I, your reasoning, your reasoning has always been sound. That's the thing. You, what, what sounded like a hot take when they were still winning games that they should win now is, is all the chickens are coming home to roost. Cause you, you said I'm looking at their recruiting and I am seeing a drop off coming. And not and just no seeing a drop off coming, but they also um, weren't winning the games when they were running at the hottest that they were. So not only was that, if they had a drop off in recruiting coming mixed in with the fact that they weren't winning big games, that this is the die. That was the diagnosis for the, the ailment. And, you know, the thing I don't understand, Andy, is we all thought that Michigan was going to take a step back this year. They lost a ton. And I don't know why. Maybe it's just shocking to some people. But why did it take two losses? Two, I mean, they were bad losses. I think the Michigan State loss was probably the worst loss, at least non-Ohio State loss of the Jim Harbaugh era. But it took two weird losses in a pandemic year for people to understand or to feel like there's something off. I think it's been abundantly clear for two or three years that something's off. And to me, my my reasoning wasn't always that Jim Harbaugh is going to put together a team that loses four or five games in a season. That is new this year, granted, but it was the acceptance of not being great that always rubbed me the wrong way. And now everybody's all up in arms of move on from Harbaugh, but let's call it what it is. He's a weird person with an odd offense or an offense that didn't really click, um, running a program the way it was run 15, 20 years ago with an unidentifiable um, recruiting strategy and questionable staff hires. And I don't know what people thought was going to happen. And I, I'm sorry that it was offensive to people for the last two years, but there's no more excuses now. So now now you have to ask yourself the question is, are you going to endure 
the weird bad year and go back to the 9-10 win team that can't win the big game and just kind of be like kind of good or in the middle of that good second tier? Or are you going to try to move on in an odd situation to begin with because he doesn't have a contract, just split ways and go hire one of the 10 people that I listed on Twitter on Saturday and try your best to crack the greatness model? Because I don't think it should have taken losing bad games to open your eyes to this. So what is what does Michigan want to be and what are they? It's not a bad year that is, has brought this out. This was always true. It was always true, but nobody wanted to believe it. They need something like this to open their eyes. And so this is what I've been saying for a while, and, and I, our, our friend John Wilner from the Bay Area News Group chimed in with this again today. Jim Harbaugh, the offensive innovator, stopped being the offensive innovator the second he parted ways with Greg Roman. So when he left the 49ers and Greg, he and Greg Roman split up, he ceased to be an offensive innovator. Greg Roman, by the way, continues to be an offensive innovator with the Baltimore Ravens. So we already kind of figured out what the secret sauce was. So if you're not going to be innovative on offense, you're not going to hire very well, you're not going to recruit to what you actually do, because, and this is this is a point you keep making, and it's become alarmingly clear this year. Like, if you're going to play the kind of defense that Don Brown wants to play, where you've got corners and press coverage constantly, you got to have the athletes. To don't play that you defense. have to yeah. go after the best ten corners in the country every single year? Well, that's the thing. If you're not losing battles to Texas, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson in recruiting, that means you're not even trying. So I want to play this game, and I, this is your podcast. You tell me if you don't want to play this game. But I tweeted oh, I, I on Saturday morning 10 names that I think would improve Michigan right now if they took the job. I'm going to read you the 10 names, and you tell me if you would take them over Harbaugh. Because the number one thing, Andy, that everybody always says is, well, you can't fire Harbaugh or you can't move on from Harbaugh because you can't do any – like, who are you going to go get? So let's play the game. Do you want to play the game? Okay. Yeah, let's play the game. Give me give okay. me the names. Here are the 10 names that I listed today. That person or Jim Harbaugh. Number 1, Brent Venables. No. I don't I don't know if he can be a head coach. I don't I don't know what he is as a head coach. I I, I need to see him as a head coach first. He's very very I'm just emotional. Blind, leak, blind I, leap of faith. I'm just though. saying if if I'm going to take a Clemson coordinator, I want Tony Elliott. Interesting. Okay. Number 2, Luke Fickle. Hundred percent, million percent. Although Luke seems like the kind of guy that, on principle, would be like, "I'm an Ohio State guy. I can't." Yeah, take that I don't job. know that he. I'm not saying that he would. He would take it. I'm just. I'm listing. He would be off, great there. I'm giving ten candidates. They should be able to get one of them if they wanted him. Number three, Matt Campbell. Yep, I would. Okay, he no- makes his team out punch its weight. Yep. Number four, Jeff Halfley. Not sure yet. Incomplete. Five. But so far, so good. Yeah. Bob Stoops. Well, yeah, but he's not going to do it. Six, Mark Stoops. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Seven, P.J. Fleck. Yes, I would, but as as we've said on this show, a Michigan man does not row a boat. Well, at the end of this list, I'm going to tell you what my theory is. A, eight, Chris Peterson. Yes, but he's not going to do it. Nine, Jason. And also, I also I don't I, I don't want Chris Peterson recruiting against Ohio State because I saw what happened when Mario got to Oregon. No chance there. Nine, 
Jason Candle. Okay. I you know, it it if you can't get Matt Campbell, I guess you go for the other Mount Union guy yeah. who's at Toledo. And then number ten, and this one is kind of a curveball, and people always go crazy when I say it, but Mel Tucker. Uh yeah, th- I mean not gonna happen, but so far so good with Tucker, but again, small sample size. You know, we, we yeah, saw one well, year at Colorado, don't really know what he is yet, but you you like some of the high points of what you've seen so far. And you could even add tone like you could put Elliot on that list for Clemson. See, my, well, I, only, here's my thing. If if South Carolina fires Will Muschamp, and I don't know if they have the money to do that because his buyout's huge. Like if they don't throw the entire bank at Tony Elliott, native South Carolinian, what, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. I think seven of the people that are on my list had ties to Ohio. And I also posted this today or on Saturday. Everybody at Michigan always talks about the importance of Michigan hiring a Michigan man. Why don't they hire an Ohio man? Like well, they did with Bo Schembechler. And why don't they get say, somebody who learned well from Urban Meyer or get somebody well, that can recruit Ohio? And all these guys can do that. Most of them can. And and we know that the everybody knows the Michigan man thing, right? Is a basket is actually came from basketball, right? It was when the basketball coach was flirting with Arizona State. And Bo Schimbeckler, who was the AD at the time, goes, get your ass out of here. A Michigan man will coach Michigan. And he put Steve Fisher in there. In the football realm, though, do you think they need a Michigan man? No. No. The, 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 the entire the fan base The alma mater is, thing is totally overrated. It's, the enti- the, it, it's, they're scarred from what happened with Rich Rodriguez. Because it was a non, it was a bad cultural fit, and he wasn't in or a Michigan man. It was a bad cultural fit because they didn't support him when they hired him. When they hired him, they were like, "Oh, we don't, we just decided we don't like you." Well, why'd you hire him then? Yeah, but it's I feel like it scarred them from like taking a chance on somebody. But like to me, this is the, the thing that I've said on the show for the last year and a half. I feel like Jim Harbaugh was the perfect bridge coach. He took them out of the dumps and brought them into the nine ten win seasons. Now they need to hire somebody that can take what he built, and he has built something. It's not a dumpster fire at Michigan. It's just not great. No, you can absolutely build, build on top that. of that quickly. Like, you put the right guy in there, they get good fast. Yeah, I know. I agree. So this whole idea of can't get rid of Harbaugh because there's no other options, those are 10 that I came up laying on my couch. Like, imagine if you had a real coaching search and you like took a risk. Take a risk. I know, like you said, I don't know about Jeff Halfley. It's like, that's true. He's only been the head coach at Boston College for an hour. And, you know, we've seen some cool early returns, but you're talking about yeah, so a guy. So far, it looks good. Who's a young, charismatic, good looking, awesome personality that can go into any living room and recruit anybody. He has a clear path to, def- to selecting and developing great defensive players. And. He has learned under Ryan Day at Ohio State, so he knows what it is to to be at those programs and what it takes to win there. And he doesn't have enough loyalty to Ohio State, having spent only a year there, to not want to coach at Michigan. That's a great job and a natural step from Boston College. And to me, it's like maybe that won't work out, but I would rather spend the next three years giving Jeff Halfley a shot than spend the next three years with Harbaugh because you're too afraid to try something new. And, you know, if, if Halfley doesn't work out, what do they think is going to happen? The, the Michigan program is going to cease to exist or it's going to go back in time and go back to what it was like when Brady Hoke was and it's never going to recover from that? Any 
above average competent coach can make Michigan a nine or 10 win team that can't beat Ohio State and can't win a big football game. If that's the entire ceiling of the program and you're going to accept that under Jim Harbaugh, anybody can do that if you get an above average. Like that's not something that's tough to match. The real brilliance of being Michigan's coach is figuring out a way to recruit players to beat Ohio State. This can be duplicated by just about anybody. So what's the risk? You're paying this guy eight and a half million dollars a year and you don't even have an identifiable recruiting plan. It's nuts. There's 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 ten well, or fifteen people that you can back up a Brinks truck for and, and let them let them go. And in every so, single one of these guys, you can go and go down the list and go, Brent Venables uh hasn't been a head coach yet. Luke Fickle is an Ohio State guy. Matt Campbell is, is waiting for a bigger job. Jeff Halfley's too inexperienced. Bob Stoops won't do it. Mark Stoops has the best job in America because he'll never have to do much at Kentucky to Listen, if Mark to Stoops get gets offered the Michigan job, I think he'd take it, even though you and I both think he has the best job in America. Yeah, well, I think that that is a person who can recruit the heck out of Ohio, has built something at Kentucky at a place that's super hard to build something, despite the fact that you know they do have some nice facilities and they have the support of the of the administration but it making Kentucky a, a tough out in the SEC was a very hard thing to do and you know the guy can coach so i mean i just feel like you need to get somebody who can come in know who he is create a plan and stick to the plan and hire staff to to stick to that plan here's the thing you don't unless you decide you really want Halfley or Mark Stoops you don't get below Matt Campbell on that list I think you go fickle first, but again, like I said, he's the kind of guy, he's just a little bit of a different cat. Like he might say, hell no, I would never coach at Michigan, like just because that's who he is. But you don't get past Matt Campbell. He goes, <laughs> he leaves Iowa State for that job. Right. Yeah. But do you agree that the whole idea of who are they going to get is kind of just a dumb excuse for being afraid of not trying something? It It is. And, Look, when he's winning 10 games a year, Harbaugh, it's, that's something you can say. It's not something you say now. So how would you do this, Ari? Because obviously we know Michigan doesn't want to – their administration didn't want to be playing football right now anyway. So I think they would find it pretty grotesque in their minds to pay a football coach to leave because he does have one more year on his contract after this one. Do you think you try to – to arrange some sort of graceful exit, if that's possible? And if you're Harbaugh, would you even do that when they would owe you a year's salary? Well, here's the one thing that I know for sure. I can't possibly begin to put myself in his head. I don't think anybody can. I, I think that like... No, what, he's very... You know, he's, he's, yeah. He's, we talk about Luke Fickle being a different cat. Jim Harbaugh yeah. is a different He's a cat. different guy, yeah. And... You know, I don't know if all of this stuff is all of us talking and it's not happening at all at Michigan. I don't know what Ward Manuel is thinking or if he's up at night thinking, I can't handle this, uh, Michigan being the laughing stock anymore. I can't do this anymore. We got to figure it out. Or if he loves Jim Harbaugh and Harbaugh has absolutely zero intention of leaving. Well, here's, here's one thing I think we can be fairly certain of. I don't think Mark Schlissel, the president at Michigan, is putting any pressure on Ward Manuel to be better at football. I mean, I, I don't know that he gets along real well with Harbaugh, but I just don't think he cares right now. Like, I, I, He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to be in the 80s ear constantly saying, you need to be better at football. We got to do something about this. That's That does not seem to be his type of presidency. Yeah, I just don't. If somebody said, do you think Michigan should make a change without hesitation the last two years, I say yes. 
Now it's cool to think that, so everybody thinks that. But now the other more pertinent question is, will that happen? And does Jim Harbaugh want out? Because I feel like if he is has his heart set on staying, I don't know that the administration or Ward Manual or people in that in that program or in that university's higher end structure is going to get rid of him. So like if you because no, I don't like I don't think they write the check. Yeah, I mean they're writing a lot of big checks every every time his paycheck comes through. So I mean I, they've got a lot of money, and I don't know if money is going to be the reason if they feel like they need to make a change. I just don't know if anybody wants a change. I know their fans do on message boards right now because they're angry, but that's different than whether or not the administration of the university wants to change. And if they don't, I think that he, I think he wants to stay. I think Jim Harbaugh, from what I know about him, loves Michigan, loves living in Ann Arbor, loves that his dad lives near him and, and like likes his existence there. And I don't think he'd want to leave his alma mater feeling like he failed. So, you know, I don't know, like, do people think he's going to go coach the Cincinnati Bengals next year or something? Cause, you know, I, I don't, what, if he doesn't, find another opportunity or he, I just, I can't picture how he's just going to gracefully leave. It's like, I think you wait till the I, end of the contract. You say, either. Jim, this isn't working out. We're not extending you. Amicable split. He finds another job and it looks, you know, so it's not some crazy firing PR, but why is Michigan any more special than any other school when it comes to firing? When coaches get fired, they just get well, fired. They're, they're, they're not. You just, but ask them and they'll tell you they are. No, I know. They don't. What, but like, why is this? A, why are we putting this on a pedestal? Why is Jim Harbaugh so unfireable to everybody? He's not unfireable. I just don't think he was two in weeks the midst ago of the pandemic. I don't think in the midst of the pandemic that they like the optics of writing the check to make him go. And but but here's the thing, and you just brought it up. You know, it, you could run out his contract. His contract runs out at the end of next year. What will next year be like? If he's there and they and there's no new contract on the horizon, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't even know. The thing that's really tough to to fathom right now, Andy, is I don't even know if this is salvageable. Like what? Even if I'm they sure went out is. and they beat Ohio State, I guess that's the only way. Well, yeah, okay. They beat Ohio State. Everything's hunky dory. You think but- if they lose four or five games this year and then beat Ohio State, then everything's fine again? It's not fine, but if they lose four or five games this year, then they stand no chance of beating Ohio State. I'm not sure they stand a chance of beating Ohio State now, even if they win the rest of their games. I think it's going to be hard for them to keep Ohio State from scoring 65 points on them because you can bet your ass Ryan Day wants to. It's, it, it's going to be it's tough. Bad. I mean, yeah. So they've got to figure that out. And I, I guess you just sort of get to November and after the Ohio State game, you have those conversations because maybe he'll bail you out and take an NFL job, but I don't know. I, is it an NFL team going to offer him a job? I mean, I'd hire Greg Roman first. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's an okay football coach. He took a team to a Super Bowl. You can't take those things away. He developed Andrew Luck. He made you know uh, a lot out of what he had in Colin Kaepernick obviously as you've mentioned he's had a some Greg assistance in that Roman you know and he gets a lot of credit for that but i don't know how you can go in now this is year 6 year 6 a shot I, and if he comes back i can't imagine going into year 7 and not ever really having an identifiable quarterback um to put them over the top 7 years is a long long time and i know they have five star quarterback jj mccarthy committed 
and it gives you hope for potentially what could happen next. But this is too, I think Joe Milton gives you a lot to work with. You do? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's if he's the answer, but he gives he's definitely a little bit, you know, got a higher upside than, you know, some of the quarterbacks they've had there in the past, I think. But, you know, I was just watching the game today and on Saturday, they they got beaten up pretty good. And I don't know, do you think yeah, I, it, I think that was that was the biggest problem is it seemed like every time they would get close, Indiana answered back. And if Indiana needed a yard or two on the ground, they got it. You know, Stevie Scott scoring that touchdown, there was no doubt when they were on the goal line that he was getting the ball and he was getting in. Yeah. You know, it's just a tough situation, and I don't know why it is so tough. It's like at other schools, a coach underperforms for six years, they fire him, they pay his buyout, and they buy it, they get a new coach. So he went to Michigan and he has ties to Michigan. Is that like the only defining or is it so it was the hire such as like you put, go put yourself in the shoes, uh, your shoes the day he was hired. Everybody oh, was I like, that, that was that a day. groundbreaking day of holy yeah. crap. Michigan is back. And this is the savior. This is the guy who's going to bring Michigan up. And the, it's the new 10 year war between Urban Meyer and, and Jim Harbaugh and all the things that we all felt that day. And I feel like if Michigan fires him, they have to let go of the dream that that worked. And yeah. I think that's a hard that's a hard thing to do. Work. It is. So we're going to have time to talk about this as the season goes on because I think this this conversation is going to keep happening. Yeah, they play Wisconsin let's on talk Saturday. About so. an, yeah, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah. But let let's talk about another coach who has been under fire whose team pulled it out thanks to a miraculous final three minutes and having a kicker named Parker Lewis because, as those of us who were teenagers in the mid-'90s know, Parker Lewis can't lose. Uh, Clay Helton was done for with about four minutes to go. (laughs) But USC comes back and beats Arizona State. But does that mean anything? Because, Ari, you you said this was essentially the Pac-12 South championship game. Do you do you are you more or less confident in USC following that? I, I'm pretty confident. You know, I, I just think that it's pretty clear that it's not like it's the Pete Carroll USC Trojans right now. I mean, I don't think anybody was expecting that. You know, what I saw was a team that was, you know, facing one of the top four teams in the Pac twelve, uh, have their backs against the wall, respond well to it, and win a good game at home. And I think that, that that's a positive thing. You know, I don't know if they're gonna be good enough to beat Oregon or if they're going to be good enough to sidestep upset bids all year. Uh, but this was supposed to be one of the bigger games in the conference this year, and they got to win at home like you're you're supposed to. So, you know, I, I think that no matter what happens, it's the same thing with Harbaugh. Every single time he loses or is losing, it's going to turn us into a tailspin of fire Clay Helton and find a new coach. And I think that that's the reality of the situation, and I'm sure he's very aware of that. So what do you do? You overachieve. And if you don't, then you get fired. And that's the way the sport is. And USC's got, you know, a very abbreviated schedule. Next week, if they play against Arizona at Arizona, that should be a joke of a win. Then they play at Utah, will be the second biggest game of the year. Then you got Colorado, Washington State, and then you have your rivalry game against UCLA, who played another crazy Pac 12 after dark game on Saturday. Um, but I think that's a very manageable schedule. 
And I think it's possible that they're going to be 6-0 and and play Oregon in the championship still. But to me, is, is Arizona State the best team on their schedule? Or is Utah? We don't know yet. We haven't gotten to see Utah play. And I think, and I think po- yeah, I think it's possible they got the, their toughest win already under their belt. And it was yeah. ugly and they, they had to do it at home and the last few minutes of the game and, you know, have a scrappy comeback. But that's the kind of thing that like USC might have lost that game two years ago last year. Well, I think it, I think speaking it's of a team that had a scrappy comeback and did lose, UCLA continuing the slow starts under Chip Kelly. They've not won a season opener in three seasons under Chip Kelly now. Uh, they went down 35-7, to seven, wound up coming back and making it 48-42 in the closing minute and had an onside kick, but Colorado grabbed the onside kick and that was the end of the game. This is another one that appears to have run its course, but UCLA's financial situation is such that you really can't do anything about this one. Yeah, I don't... Do people care? Uh, you the the if is, three or four UCLA fans care deeply. But, is that is that your no, understanding I mean, of how it is there? I mean, it doesn't really even seem yeah. like for how high profile of a hire that was. I I feel like UCLA and maybe it's part of the the time zone that they're in or the conference they play in. But the only thing that we've ever really enjoyed about this team since Chip Kelly took over are the crazy sixty point sixty sixty crazy games. That happened yeah, on the Saturday one at 1 Yeah, Washington State last year. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Where I went to bed at halftime stupidly thinking Washington State was going to win that game. And, uh, and UCLA came back. And, and well, and there are also the stories about the training table where they're paying like $4 for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That, those are pretty good, too. But, yeah, I, I don't know what you do about this. There's an alternate history here, Ari, that's really interesting because Florida did offer the job to Chip Kelly before they offered it to Dan Mullen. And he was debating it. He correctly realized that he did not want any part of recruiting in the SEC and took the UCLA job. I'm not sure he wants any part of recruiting the Pac-12 either. But well, can you imagine like if he'd taken? Can you imagine if he'd taken the Florida job? Dan Mullen would be at Tennessee right now, probably. I mean, it'd be a very different world because remember, Tennessee went to Arkansas and lost on Saturday. Do you think Chip night. Kelly, if he had the similar results at UCLA, would still be at Florida right now? No, he'd have been fired last year. Yeah. He would, he, he, if the results were the same, he would have been fired last year. So, yeah, it would have been a disaster. And I think he knew that deep down because he wanted no part of, of having to deal with recruiting against Alabama and Auburn and Georgia and Florida State and all the other teams you have to recruit against when you're at Florida. So, very smartly did not take the job. But, man, what a wild world it would be if he had. Because I, I brought that up on Twitter on Saturday night, and a Tennessee fan said, yeah, thanks for reminding me of that. We could have had Dan Mullen. That's another situation where they got A&M coming to Knoxville next week. They don't know who their quarterback is. They used three quarterbacks on Saturday night at Arkansas. Uh, Garantano got hurt. They go to Brian Maurer. That didn't work. They go to Harrison Bailey at the end. He didn't really get a fair shot to to do anything, so we don't really know how he did. But they they did not win that game. You and I talked about this on Friday, where Tennessee sees themselves as belonging with Florida and Georgia in the SEC hierarchy. More realistically, they are like Arkansas, and they saw it on Saturday with the talent <laughs> comparison. Yeah, I, and it's another one of those things, Andy, where just like did it take that for people to realize that maybe in Knoxville. 
And, you know, I don't think they're not realizing that they're just mad at Jeremy Pruitt because they lost to Arkansas. So now they're going to face a team in Texas A&M that is more talented than them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Put even know. sleep. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's like funny to think because I feel like it's possible that Texas A&M turns into Texas A&M again. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the oh, other shoe to drop. There it's 100 percent possible. There, there are four games that you look at it and. If they if they become the Texas A and M of old, they could lose any of those four. But if they are what we think they are this year, then then Auburn is the only one that I'm particularly worried about, unless LSU's defense suddenly gets a million percent better. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think the Tennessee thing they are going to have to figure out the quarterback situation. They're going to have to figure out the offense. I mean, Jim Chaney they they bought him away from Georgia for a lot of money, but that's not working. And I don't know if it's because their quarterbacks aren't as good as they want them to be, but that's, again, your problem as the coaching staff. You've got to fix that. Yeah. Speaking of alternate history, do you think Tennessee is watching Rutgers like look remarkably competent in three games into the nope. Shiano era and wondering what if? No, they are not. Do you think they ever will nope. if, if, if Rutgers is good? Nope. Not a chance. Greg Shiano would not have worked at Tennessee. He's got rabbit ears and... Knoxville is not the place for a person with rabbit ears. Yeah. That that Knoxville is Knoxville is the high Tennessee is the highest pressure coaching job in America. I firmly believe I like the only job that might be more pressure than Tennessee in in sports in America is the New York Yankees manager. Like you are just everything you do is so dissected. And and you can say, "Oh, well, Alabama does that too." Not in the same way. Just everything gets picked and picked and picked at Tennessee, and it would have driven Greg Schiano insane. This is a man who has to have it like seventy-one point four degrees. Well, I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you whether or not you think Greg Schiano would have worked, or whether Greg will look back. I'm wondering if the fans will ever wonder. Maybe we shouldn't have. You know, no, they're convinced they're right on that one. Yeah, but if Rutgers wins seven games somehow (laughs) in two years, maybe they won't. Well, if Rutgers wins seven games. Which means they've won three big twelve, at least three big ten games. No, it means they've won at least four big ten games. Yeah, I think maybe maybe some of a, and I'll I'll admit I was wrong in that case. I think it's absolutely reasonable to think that Rutgers, if they start recruiting New Jersey a little bit better in year four of the Shiano era, could win seven games. If Rutgers could ever really control recruiting in New Jersey, they could win way more than that. But I just don't think they will. I think they'll they'll continue to lose. The really good players to Notre Dame sure. and, and to Ohio State and Penn State, and, and yeah, Penn State. But the second yeah. tier player, so, the second tier. Well, there's no reason why they can't be better than Maryland and Illinois and and one other Big Ten team. Well, it's it's sort of like who gets the players from Ohio that Ohio State doesn't want. Whoever that is is doing pretty well. Usually, yeah, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Although they're not doing that great offensively this year. Yeah, Ari Wasserman and I will be right back later in the show. I'm going to tell you what Nebraska needs to do in terms of recruiting philosophy to get back on track. Hint, it's sort of like what a water park does. But first, these words. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. One more game I wanted to bring up that, that I just think is crazy, and, and another one of those where you get the what if coaching scenarios going back and forth. Hugh Freeze is now six and zero at Liberty. Liberty just beat Virginia Tech. Malik Willis, who was at Auburn, looks amazing under Hugh Freeze. So the question is, at what point does Hugh Freeze and and you know Bruce Feldman wrote this story where he talked to Hugh about it. He was he was talked to a lot of people about it. When is he back in the power five as a head coach and where is it? I don't think it's in the SEC because I think the double secret probation is still in effect. Though I don't believe that can last forever either because if it, if it goes too long, Hugh can sue him. But the ACC, the Big 12, they don't have a double secret probation thing going on with Hugh Freeze. What, what, what if one of those jobs were to open up? You take a shot? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, winning's all that matters, right? Um, I for most places, yes. I also think that like these lower tier teams in the Big Twelve and the Big Ten don't always 
take chances when I feel like they're in the perfect position to take a chance. Because if you lose and it doesn't work, then oh well. It's just like every other year. And if you actually hit on somebody for a few years, then you have a few good years of fun. And I mean, I don't know if, you know, Purdue is the right, right place right now because Brahms, you know, done a pretty good job since he's been there or, you know, a team like Illinois who's got Lovey Smith, who's got some NFL cachet. But if you're a team like oh, yeah, Illinois yeah. Or, or Kansas who did less, I mean, you, you take a swing at somebody like that if you're in the lower rung of the power five because, you know, what, what, do you, what do you have to lose if you're a team like that? Nothing. Let me throw one at you. Let's say let's say Matt Campbell got hired away from Iowa State. Would you would you hire yes. him at Iowa State? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's going to be really interesting because they've got a few more games that are going to be very kind of pay attention to. Not not Western Carolina next week, but then they play NC State and they play Coastal Carolina. And Coastal Carolina at this point is either the best team or the second best team in the Sun Belt. I mean. If they beat NC State and Coastal Carolina and somebody has an opening at that level, you got to at least consider it. Yes. Is, is Liberty new blood? <laughs> How far down no, the list not, of new blood can you go? I don't, I don't think go? they're going to count as new blood. And, and honestly, the way NC State played against Miami on Friday night, I think NC State might be able to, to handle them in a shootout. But we'll find out. I mean, Virginia Tech couldn't, and Virginia Tech did beat NC State, so... Of course, as we know, the transitive property doesn't really work in college football, and it especially doesn't work during a pandemic. Yeah, nothing about transitive property makes any sense right now. Uh, nothing. Uh, I, I I don't even know who's good. But, I mean, I hear Texas Tech, I'd try it. I don't know if he fits into the culture there. You know, that that's one team. You know, you, you can go down the list in the Big Ten, and, you know, you start coming out with Maryland. You know, if Loxley doesn't work out, Rutgers found their guy already. But Illinois, if Lovey Smith doesn't work out. Minnesota Loxley might be working out, by the way. Yeah, we, well, we had kind of assumed that was done. Yeah, it, it looks pretty good after three weeks. Yeah, well, they had a five star receiver and the highest signee of Maryland since Stefan Diggs, who like caught like nine touchdowns on Saturday. So, you know, when you start getting good players like that in your program, it's pretty crazy what happens in, in terms of results on the field. But, you know, you can keep going down the list of, of teams and it's like what if. If Iowa State's job comes open, that's fine. But like, what if PJ Fleck gets hired somewhere else? I know Minnesota's off to a tough start this year, but Minnesota uh, might be a, a place that would try something. Why not UCLA if Chip Kelly moves on? Colorado, Arizona. Why? Yeah. If I were Arizona, I would ba- I would back up the Brinks truck and pour it all over him on his front yard in front of everybody. You wouldn't even need to though. That's the beauty of yeah, it. He'd no, take I know. it, and you wouldn't have to overpay him. And what he, like, Arizona he be might happy. be the perfect example of it. He'd be like, I'll pay for my own flight. Just tell me when to show up. I mean, I, I'm a, if I'm an athletic director, I've always go back and forth on this thing. Do you want to go get an old coach who has had success in the past, who has fallen on hard times or got fired or didn't work out and try to recycle him because he's got a recognizable name? Or do you constantly try to find the up-and-coming, hungry, young see, coach? See, that's what Hugh, Hugh Freeze is, that guy. I know, that's what I'm saying. He fired for losing. He I got know. fired for a scandal. Yeah, well, I think I would be more comfortable hiring somebody who got fired for a scandal um, because you know that his formula, at least from a, a, a winning standpoint, works. But if I'm Arizona, I don't give a crap. What are they doing? What are they doing right now? And you are Arizona. You're a proud alum. So there you go. Um, yeah, I'm a proud, proud one alum. More, one, one more that we haven't hit, and I feel like we should. Nebraska goes to Northwestern and loses. It appears there's been a quarterback switch. I, we'll, we'll get more from Scott Frost 
as the week goes on about that. But McCaffrey was in there at the end when, when Nebraska was trying to win the game. So that seems like a signal to me that, that a change has been made. But this is also doesn't appear to be any progress going on here. Yeah. It's tough. You know, the thing that's really tough about Nebraska is I think that Frost has signed a top 25 class every single year that he's been there, too. You know, and that, I think the reason why the Cornhuskers are what they are are on such a upward hill to climb to get back to relevance is because they can't recruit based on geography. Well, all right. And he's done a pretty I good job I thought about this. It, so I don't know. Let me, let, me, let me throw this at you, Ari, because I think this would work. Scott Frost just signs the guys he would have signed at UCF. And I don't mean guys like the guys he would have signed at UCF. I mean the guys he would sign at UCF. Like he goes to Leesburg High School in Leesburg, Florida, and takes the kid that, you know, isn't quite big enough to get an offer from Florida or Florida State or Miami, but you know he can play. Just take all of them. Put UCF's roster at Nebraska. They'd be better than this team is. Yeah, they'd be a lot better so. than this team is. The the problem with that is though, is well, a I mean, how confident in your ability or in Scott Frost's ability to constantly identify those guys and be successful with those guys are you, and how much time do you give him? Because you put Nebraska in a situation where we're what in year three now, and people are already starting to lose patience when he was the Jim Harbaugh era uh, hire of Nebraska, and. It's just like you, you play that game and it goes wrong and you have an uncom- incomplete roster because the kids that weren't big enough aren't big enough to play in the Big Ten. Whatever, you had out. Mike Riley there. You, ha- you already had an incomplete roster. So, yeah, no, I mean, I understand. Like, It'll work. I, my opinion is that the number one thing that a head coach has to have or to be in order to be successful at their school is an identifiable plan and a way of confidently executing that plan. And if that was his plan, I think it could work. But the thing I don't know is if I don't I'm know what him, the- I just go, I call Josh Heupel. Josh, who have you offered? Okay, great. We're going to offer all of them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take them all. I know because UCF <laughs> has had some pretty like under the radar recruiting classes. Aren't they signing like, aren't they in the seventies? Like when they yes, were winning their national championship, what like what and, were they the signing? Is, <laughs> they're always fast. That speed yeah. will win anywhere. That speed travels. Yeah. Now, and, and Scott Frost did not recruit Dylan Gabriel, but he did recruit Mackenzie Milton. So he's got to find the special quarterback. That's true. And maybe but he hasn't. The rest I mean, of it they've is, already thought he had him twice. Find the fast guys that don't measure up completely perfectly for the ACC and the SEC and just sign them. Yeah, it's like shopping not, at TJ Maxx for talent. Kidding. You can find some gems in the Dude, TJ Maxx. You can find some really nice clothes at TJ Maxx. Yeah, I mean, you know? and even if there's like a little ink ink droplet on the corner of your sweater, nobody's going to notice. That thing still still slays at a party. Still like, polo, I mean, baby. <laughs> yes, the black label polo at the TJ Maxx. You got it for nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I mean, and the thing about it is, you have to be consistently good at it. It's not just one thing. Go hire or go offer all these guys who you know aren't big enough to play at Florida State. You got to find the guys who, despite their deficiencies, are still going to be good. It's like you have to – there's a lot of Rondale Moores out there. If you go scroll down into the 1,500 portion of the recruiting rankings and the individual player rankings, there's a lot of five foot eight speedsters no, who you, you have, have to scored know what 50 touchdowns for, in high school. And you have to be able to – yeah, you, and you have yeah. to find – you have That's to be hard. able to, to re- repeatedly identify that. But I think he 
spent enough time. You know, I, he was only there a couple years, but I think that's enough time to understand the makeup of the roster and do that. You know, I, I understand when you get to Nebraska, you think, all right, I'm at Nebraska. I can recruit a different caliber of player. But you really kind of can't. So get the fast guys. Yeah. Just the same guys you would have you would have signed at UCF. And it, it would be crazy. And the Nebraska fans might go nuts if, if your roster's like 90% Floridians. But you know what you'd be doing? Winning more games. Yeah, also, don't they actually recruit Florida right now? Pretty they do. pretty extensively. And so, Georgia yeah. as well. I don't know. Uh, they should hire Andy uh, Staples to be the next recruiting coordinator at uh, Nebraska and, and put together a plan. Get somebody who can identify tape I, that you trust. I wouldn't have go to win move. I could stay right here in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great. Recruit here. Yeah. So wear a Nebraska hat now, around. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea. It's better than just, well, let's see how it goes. I mean, I don't know. I now, mean, here's the problem, Ari. This is the problem. When UCF finishes that lazy river, we're completely screwed. Because they're always just going to go to UCF anyway. What is the best thing that you can make as a competitive gimmick in your building that would compete with a lazy river? A lazy river! What about a really badass corn maze? No! That has a lazy river river. in it, in the corn. (laughs) Okay, I'm in. Now, Now, Nebraska, it has to be a heated lazy river. A a heated lazy river in cornfield that is a... Here's here's the thing. If If you go... For my philosophy of just sign the guys you would have signed at UCF, and UCF finishes the lazy river, and that's caused you to lose a guy or two, you snap your fingers and Bill Moose will approve the purchase order to dig the lazy river into yeah. the corn maze <laughs> and heat it. Imagine picking a they school put the because dome, they, have they put a, a dome over their lazy river. Yeah, I mean, they. I love Nebraska's facilities. I, I mean, th- that's not a problem. I'd love more if they had a lazy river. Yeah. <laughs> if I were a high school football prospect and I had offers from everybody, I would definitely take the place where I can float around on an inner tube. That's my like speed. All the athletes. Remember, it's not just the football team. It's all the athletes. That's I don't I that's, hear nothing wrong with this. That's a party. It's like the Olympic Village, except with a lazy river. Now I want to go to a, a uh, water park and just kind of take the tarp off and lay out in the sun for a few days, you know? You could just sign with the UCF. Theirs is going to be ready very soon. You know, the recruiting gimmicks, man. I, I, I love them. I love that sport. I love this sport so much. It's it's the only recruiting gimmick that actually matters. Like, it does. I don't care if you got a wiffle ball field. I don't care if you got a nap room. I don't care if you got a barber chair. Which, uh, which school's going to be the first I want a lazy one. river. Which school's going to be the first one that outfits their entire locker room with PS5? Because that comes out next week. All of them. Everybody in the Power Five. 100%. They've already ordered them. Yeah. Why do you think the pre-order sold out so fast? <laughs> I know. It's true. Do you, are you going to buy a PS5? I'm, well, I am going to purchase one that is then going to be handed to my son on Christmas Day. But that's, that's you know, I may play it just a I want to buy a PS5 and I want to hand it over to myself and all the pre-orders are out and I don't know what to do. Well, go raid North Carolina's like equipment starting, room. Starting next week, you can you, there, there will be more. So you just have to watch you, you'll have to maybe sign up for one of those apps that says this thing's in stock. That's Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll have to get one of those apps to do when Christmas is 
when Christmas is coming up, you uh, you have to sign up for those apps if, if one of your kids wants well, the hot, the if hot you, toy. If you're getting your kid a PS5, can you send me a text and it's like a nice little, hey, they're, they're available here reminder if you end up sure. doing that? Thank you. Or you can come down and play with him. I've already made like nine comments for reasons why I want to move into your house. And uh, I'm sure the pantry is like number one. I don't even – that would be great. If you just like did a video tour of your pantry, because is it is it as amazing as I'm picturing right now? No, it's not. Because how do you think I lost all this weight? I don't keep that stuff in the house. Although I do still have quite a few Chick Fil A nuggets left over. Are they in the uh, fridge? And, and yeah, here. So here's what I did with them today. It was this was this was inspired. So I had a couple of hoagie rolls left over. Oh my god! Because uh, we make. We put turkey oh, on hoagie yes. rolls for my daughter's lunch at school every day. And obviously, she hasn't needed them Saturday and Sunday. So we're going to buy some fresh ones tomorrow. So I had to, I had a couple hoagie rolls to, to use up. So open the hoagie roll, put a little mustard-based barbecue sauce in there, put your Chick-fil-A nuggets, heat up the Chick-fil-A nuggets a little bit, and then put them in there, and then put some pepper jack cheese over them, and then put it back in the microwave and heat it all up and get the cheese melted. It was outstanding. And, I'm and drooling. Trust me. I am drooling. When we finished our little exercise on Friday, I didn't think I was ever going to eat another Chick Fil A nugget. That lasted less than forty eight hours. God, is it? Does Chick Fil A close? It's pushing midnight on Sunday. Is it They're at closed. midnight? It's closed. If 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 you were in the the Pacific time zone, you would have five more minutes. Every single time I do this podcast with you, I, I get really hungry every time. Well. If it makes you feel any better, I stopped eating five hours ago and can't eat again until about noon Eastern on, on Sunday. So when when you guys who are listening are sending us your photos of what you're cooking for breakfast while you listen to this thing, I am drinking water, lots of water. Mm-hmm. And I can't, so I have, I have Sirius XM radio in the morning from nine to noon. And then I also have to record the Football and Grits podcast with David Ubbin right after that. So I'm not eating until after that. So I, if you want to really get me going, probably call into that SiriusXM show in the last segment, and I might be so hangry that I might just explode. Yeah, well, the fact that you have a bunch of Chick-fil-A nuggets in your fridge still, you know, that's the, the, I know that it was uh, upsetting to you that you weren't able to finish the 100, but you... It wasn't you, upsetting this morning won. when I when you I started won. planning lunch and yeah, saw no, a you, giant bag of Chick Fil A nuggets. If you still have some left, you're still winning. It's the perfect That's plan. Right. Well, Ari, I should let you go to bed. You've done yeoman's work here. I appreciate you running it back. This Anytime. has been a beautiful, beautiful day of college football. So many crazy things happened. The ACC's dream scenario is now in effect. Florida got over the hump against Georgia. USC, miracle comeback. Texas A&M kept on winning. There's a lot going on. This this stretch run is going to be a lot of fun. So you keep listening. We'll be back on Wednesday. I want you to subscribe, rate, review this podcast. Also, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic already, please hop on board. The best sports writing on the planet. It's like a cup of coffee a month. Basically, it's the best deal going. So if you want to subscribe, theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. We'll get you all hooked up there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you Wednesday.